I don't remember how to do I I talk into here and I look this is this how we do this I, I think so I think you're on the right track here I feel this is weird this is the Eagle Eye podcast it's been a while as you guys have let us know <laughs> quite frequently on Twitter we appreciate that I have a bunch of people asking when we were uh, getting back to doing the podcast and we're back we took some time in the summer it's really the only dead time of the NFL schedule so we took some time we're refreshed and now we're ready to go for training camp. Yeah, and uh, it, it's one thing to, I mean, we, we came up with some pretty some pretty good time fillers over the last few months, but at some point you just have to shut down and say, you know what, there's just nothing to talk about. Yeah, so we did that, and, we did that for a couple of weeks. And I, I, I almost feel bad for people. They've been really excited for us to get back. And then they're going to listen to this podcast and be like, ah, maybe we shouldn't have built it up. It wasn't that good. <laughs> we didn't like it that much. Well, we're a week out, a little more than a week out from, from training camp. So we're kind of, you know, but we can think of this as like, uh, you know, just a, a dry run. Yeah, yeah. This is, I like that. This is a dry run for when we actually have real stuff. Uh, but we do have, we have a good show today because we, we want to kind of, we're starting to get ready for training camp. Uh, we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson a little bit. It seems like that's one topic we we kind of can't escape, and, and we won't escape most likely. Uh, I've been doing a top 20 countdown of the most important Eagles this year, so we'll go through uh, numbers 20 through 11, and then we'll finish up the list next week. And uh, the Eagles announced since the last podcast we've done that they're having joint practices this year, two different rounds, so we want to talk about that too. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Uh, but first, Ruth, how you been? It's it's weird. I don't think we've gone this long without doing a pod in ever? Ever. Yeah, ever. So, um, yeah, all, all is good. Um, got away a little bit, going away a little bit more. But, um, you know, I, I, it's been such a weird couple of years, you know, really a year and a half now since, since the pandemic started. And I, I think last year, nobody really knew like we were working from home all the time. So we were just like, it, it didn't make sense to take time off. Like it didn't, you were home anyway. I think we kind of all just wanted to work through to help pass the time and get through the days when there was total shutdown. Um, so we didn't take any time off last year, but you know, you, you need it. You need a little bit, a um, little bit of time away. I mean, it was funny because like, you know, I'm, I'm sure you get, you know, people stopping you all the time and they want to talk about, you know, they want to talk about the Eagles and, you know, with masks, like I, I, I really didn't get stopped very much, you know, plus you're not really out that much. And there's not people around, but now, you know, 
get stopped and like, I'm on vacation. I don't want to talk about it, but, but, you know, you always do because, you know, people are dying to hear what you think, but um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, uh, um, it's kind of weird. Like you have to really work to take a vacation when you're in that work mode, you know, you have to kind of really work to get away from it, not check slack, you know, not, not, not think about the Eagles for a little while, but it's, uh, it, it was definitely, um, uh, definitely good to get away and i know you you got away and now we're back yeah, and we're it felt good to travel for me like i get itchy when i can't travel a little bit or at least do something so i was yeah. happy to finally you know get out of the area and and i explored maine for a little bit it was fun so well i gotta ask you because you know my my dad's from maine i go to maine a lot um haven't been the last couple of years but I, I basically grew up going to maine every summer and, and have continued to do that. What was your favorite uh, thing that you saw up there? Yeah, it was, it was really fun. So I went with a couple of friends and we went up to uh, like the Mount Katahdin Northwoods almost area for a few days. And then we went to Acadia for a few days, both really beautiful. Um, Acadia is a national park, so it's really crowded in the summer. And that was, it took some getting used to after being yeah. kind of up on our own, but uh, both beautiful areas and it was my first time in the state. I ha it's one of the few states I just haven't been to. And it's close enough that I, I feel like I should have gone. But uh, this was the perfect time to go because, you know, international travel is kind of hard right now. So I was like, let's find a way to do something and see something cool within driving distance. And it was great. I had, I had a blast. Absolutely. Did, did you walk around the carriage trails up on uh, Cadillac on the mountain? A little bit. So the day we went to Cadillac, it was... Uh, it wasn't even foggy. It was a cloud. It was like the, the top of the mountain was in a cloud. So um, the views weren't, weren't that great, but we did, we, yeah, we did a, a bunch of hiking in Acadia and then in the, the Northwoods area, we were on the river uh, every day. It was really hot. So uh, we were lucky enough, a, a great guy we became friends with took us on the river and went, did some, some whitewater stuff. And uh, yeah, both really cool. Um, I was happy to be there, but I'm also happy to be back. I get like, I don't ever want to come back from vacation, but when I come back and it's like, all right, training camp is only, I get, I really do get excited for training camp. Oh, oh really? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> I know. That's probably the dorkiest thing about me is how excited I get for training camp. So you, you, you have, you have all your notebooks ready and like all your extra pens and uh, not yet. Not yet. I'll do that uh, later this week. I'll get everything okay. ready to go. Um, but we did want to mention joint practices. Really cool. Uh, Eagles are whole, having two rounds of joint practices, August 16th to 17th. They'll host the Patriots. That's obviously right before they play the Patriots. And then again, they'll be in, in North Jersey, August 24th to 25th, a couple of days before the Jets in the final preseason game. Nick Sirianni basically told us he wanted to do this. And it's no surprise, a guy who, puts competition ahead of everything else he's gonna want joint practices i really always enjoy them uh not just the cover but i think they're really good for teams too yeah i'm a little surprised he's doing two of them the eagles have never done two um i know some some teams always do two the patriots always do two uh the ravens always do two um but the eagles have never done two in one year and for a first year coach a lot of times um, they don't like to do them. They, they want to, because there's so much install that they want to do. They, they want to, they want to teach their system and, and get their, you know, get their message across and, and put their offense in and, and have the players really focus on that. Um, it's really something that 
Um, I think joint practices generally you see teams that are kind of have been together a little longer uh, participated. So it's a little unusual for a first year coach to have two of them. Um, but obviously they're, you know, well, there's only three preseason games. So I think that might be part of it. And I think that number is going to go down. Um, but I also think that, like you said, he, he's so big on competition and there's really something, something you get from these workouts that you don't get from practicing every day against the same guys. You know, you get a different look, you get different skill set and the guys you're going up against. Um, you get surprised by people that you're not familiar with. So, um, you know, the, the players, some players don't like them, but uh, I, I think the players do get a lot out of it and, you know, it takes them out of the routine. You know, when you practice against the same guy every day for, for four weeks, um, you know, everything about him, you know, everything he can do. Um, and you stop, I think, I think the, the amount that you, you improve kind of levels off just because you've seen everything they do, you know what they're going to do, you know, their moves and their tendencies. Um, so this takes them out of that and it's going to be interesting. You know, we'll see some familiar faces certainly. Yeah. I mean, right away with the Patriots, we'll see Jalen Mills. We'll see Nelson Aguilar. That'll be fun. Uh, yeah. I, it's a good point about a first year head coach because they have a lot of work to do installing their own stuff. And it makes you wonder if they hadn't had any kind of spring, if they'd even be able to do this. You know, I think those spring practices, those spring, uh, kind of meetings allowed them to get far enough along that he probably feels comfortable with, Hey, let's have a couple weeks of just ourselves in training camp. And that's a nice thing. They're not doing it uh, before the first preseason game. So they're going to get through basically two weeks of practice, one preseason game, and then they'll, they'll start practicing with, uh, with other teams. I know some coaches actually value these joint practices more than preseason games because you can control it. You know, like if you want to see how your team responds in a red zone situation, well, guess what? Now we're doing red zones. You don't have to wait for it to happen in a game, which would be more natural, but you can kind of dictate everything you want to see and you can make sure you see it. Whereas in a preseason game, if this situation doesn't arise, it just, you don't ever get to see your players in there. My only not worry, my only want my thought about joint practices with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback it doesn't really allow him to be him as much as games do. And that, there's nothing you can do to avoid that. But it, I, I think back to a couple of years ago when Lamar Jackson was here for these joint practices, he was like, he was okay. I thought like he was clearly the second best quarterback on the field. I thought Carson was much better that week. And then he goes on and he wins the MVP and he's the most electrifying player like we've ever seen. But you realize that it, the, the practice situation just doesn't allow him to, to do what he does. And I think that's true to a certain extent with Jalen Hurts too. Yeah, I think that's true. But I also think it'll give him the structure to, to really focus on the things that he needs to get better at. It's true. You know? So, I mean, we know he can take off and run whenever he wants to. I mean, like, I don't think he has to, I don't know how much he has to practice that, you know, we, we've seen it. We know he can do it. Um, I think the less he runs, the, you know, I think in the long, in the long term, the less he does run. And it's true with every, every quarterback. I think the, the more effective the offense is and the more effective the player is. So, um, you know, I think in, in some ways, maybe it'll, it'll really force them to, to focus on, on the, the structured 
aspect of of his game and, and the offense. Uh, so we'll see. It's I, I think the interesting thing to me and remind me, did did Chip didn't do joint practices his first year, did he? I don't think he did. I don't think so. Because I think the last time the last time the Eagles did joint practices with a first year coach, I believe because Andy didn't want to do them. And Ray didn't do them till till I think his third third year. They did they they practiced with the Bills at Lehigh. Um in 86, Buddy Ryan and and the, the Eagles went out to Detroit and and he hated it. And they, it was so bad. There were fights all the time. And um, the Lions and the Eagles had completely different ideas of what they wanted to do. Like the, the Eagles, Buddy wanted to hit. And I think the Lions coach was Daryl Rogers. They didn't want to hit at all. They just wanted to like do, you know kind of walk through pace and everything. And finally the last day, buddy just said, we're practicing by ourselves today. We're not even, we don't, we're not even going to bother with you. We're just on, you know, we're just on such different, and that doesn't happen anymore. You know, now the coaches get together early in the summer and they plan every rep and every drill. And, you know, you, you have to be on the same page that way um, for anybody to get anything out of it. And if everyone's fighting all the time, I remember when, with Carrie Williams, who was the Patriots D back or, or wide receiver? Was it Aaron Dobson? Um, I, don't know. I believe they they got into a fight and and um, they both got they just got taken out of practice because you know, there was such they were under instructions. Nobody's going to fight in these practices. And as soon as they, it's hard to believe Carrie Williams get into a fight, but I think it was Aaron Dobson, and they just the two coaches just took them both out of practice and said, "You're done for the day." So I think I think these practices have re, really evolved from the from the days of, you know, fights all the time and just you know all that stuff. So let's really focus on getting something done here, and and otherwise it's a waste of time. Yeah, the one interesting thing too about this is the Eagles have the Patriots, so obviously have Belichick, who's one of the more experienced coaches in the league, and then they'll have two first year head coaches with Sirianni and Robert Sala. Uh, that's interesting, you know, because you, you kind of wonder, even though the practices against the Patriots are at the NovaCare, I wonder if Belichick will be, you know, I wonder how much power he'll have to run the practice the way he wants to run it. I wonder how different it'll look compared to like a normal practice. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think, I mean, it was one thing when the Patriots came down with with Brady, you know, it's kind of a different vibe now i mean i don't even think of them as the patriots anymore i mean the kind of the mystique is kind of gone you know when brady left for tampa he took the mystique with him i think um uh, so so yeah it's 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 a good question it's it's interesting and and uh it's it's interesting to it'll be interesting to see you know how how they interact i mean you know belichick how many coaches has belichick seen come and go so it'll be interesting if Belichick likes you, man, if you're, if you're a coach and he likes you though, he, you know, he'll, you know, he'll go to the end of the world for you. So, um, but yeah, I wonder how it all evolved with, I mean, does, does Nick Sirianni have a relationship with Bill Belichick that was it, was it arranged by, you know, by Howie? I mean, I just, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. And it will be, I mean, Josh McDaniels will be here, which will be fun. That's right. <laughs> he'll, he'll finally make his way to the Novacare complex. We, we thought it might happen a little earlier. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and with the Patriots, I'm sure it's like they want to do them no matter what. So if the Eagles want to do them, they're in. 
Yeah. And, you know, you're looking at it's, I mean, you're so limited. You have to, it's got to be a team that you're playing. It's got to be a team that's, you know, geographically close. You know, you don't want to, I mean, the Eagles went to Detroit in 86. That was, that was a mistake, but I'm trying to think the ones that, that we've done um, over the years mainly have been here. Yeah. Um, the dolphins a few years ago, dolphins. That's yeah. The, the big Nate Allen return. I did that, that story that day. Um, the Eagles were in Foxborough the one year, um, which was really interesting. They have all the fields right outside the stadium. So that, that was pretty cool. And they were open, you know, open to the public. So there was thousands of fans there, which was really cool. Um, Cause you don't get that here. Those um, Jets practices are uh, open to fans. Yeah. That'll be, yeah, fun. that'll be, I wonder how many be, Eagles fans will travel to a practice in Florida. A Park. lot. I mean, I, I know a lot mess, you know, tw- tweeted to me that they're going to be up there. It's their only for, you know, I mean, there's the, the two joint practices at the link, but I mean, this will be more intimate, you know, this will feel more like a training camp, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause you never, I mean, the, the, the joint or the, um, the open practices, I mean, at the link are, are nice, but it doesn't have that training camp feel because you're, you're in the stadium, you're not up close. Uh, but I would guess there'll be – I would even guess there'll be more Eagles fans than Jets fans at those practices. It'll be like the Chargers game in the soccer stadium. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be quite like that. that they'll that'll be, be selling fun, Eagles man. merch at the at the merch stand. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Anything else on joint practices before we move on? No, I enjoy them. Um, I, I'm trying to remember if the Eagles ever did joint practices at Lehigh because I don't think they did. Uh, they had the Bills up there in 98. And I just it would have been tough, right? I mean, just logistically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it was tough to have one team up there logistically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think they ever did. So um, that's one good thing about going back to the Novacare, I guess, and having training camp there. It's a lot easier to to facilitate something like this. But yeah. I wish, I mean, I wish fans, especially for the, you know, the one the the Patriots, I wish, I wish fans could be there. Um, yeah, maybe the, they should practice at the lake. They should have those practices at the lake and open them up. Yeah, I, but the practices at the link yeah, no, are, you, are so limited by space. You have yeah. three fields at the Novacare. Yeah, and the turf. Yeah, you know, yeah. you really don't, you want to limit your time on that turf. I don't think Belichick would be, would be happy about, about doing <laughs> I came that. down here to be on one field on turf. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. I was I was doing a lot of reading about the uh, the '86 practices. I wasn't there. I wasn't I wasn't covering Eagles yet, but um, it was it was funny. The one story um, apparently the the schedule that they put the Eagles on. They were practicing at Oakland College in Rochester, Michigan, um, but then they had meetings at the Silver Dome in Pontiac, and they had the the team had to bus ten different times a day from the hotel to the college to the silver dome back to the college to the and they kept going back and forth and after one day that buddy said no that's that's we're not doing that anymore um and he turned the hotel into their locker room without the, <laughs> without the hotel like knowing about it and and uh buddy was asked in an interview you know are, are you a little concerned about the hotel you know not welcoming you when you're turning it into an NFL locker room. He said, and he just said, if, if they want to, if they want us to bleep and leave, we'll leave, you know, just, <laughs> things, things have changed since then, but yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm looking forward to it. looking forward to seeing Nelly. 
Okay. And Vin- and Vinnie Curry. We'll see Vinnie Curry up there. Vinnie Curry up there. That'd be fun. Of Joe Douglas. Right. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Uh, top 20 most important Eagles countdown. I've done this for a couple of years. So today we just want to go through uh, numbers 20 through 11. Roman, how do you want to do this? You want to just go player by player here? Yeah, let's just go kinda... player by player real quick. Okay. Uh, number 20, I have Joe Flacco. And I had some people get upset about this, but he's the backup quarterback. And I always think the backup quarterback is one of your most important players, or at least top 20, because – uh, look, we don't think this team's going to be a real playoff team, but if they have no chance, if, if Jalen Hurts gets hurt and Joe Flacco can't be at least serviceable. Yeah. And I mean, when the reality is how often has an Eagles quarterback played an entire season in That's recent right. years, you know, even going back to, you know, I mean, you look at their playoff quarterbacks and they're, they're always guys that have, I mean, obviously, Nick was a replacement. And, I mean, you go back to, like, Rodney Pete, Jeff Garcia. I mean, they're always going into the playoffs with guys that weren't the starter at the beginning of the year. And, you know, Michael Vick. So, I mean, the odds that, that you're especially in a 17-game season, the odds that you're going to play an entire season with one quarterback are really, really slim. So, it is an important position. Um, you know, how, how much he has left, I don't know. I have a feeling at some point we're going to find out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, history tells you that even 2019 uh, quarterback played all 16 games and then made it through a few snaps in the playoffs. So I still um, can't believe that happened. You play an entire season and next thing you know, Josh McCown's out there running around. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, so we both agree that backup quarterback probably deserves to be on the list. Yeah. Uh, number number 19, Eric Wilson, the first newcomer on the list. He's coming off a really good season, a breakout season for him in Minnesota. Kind of like the Alex Singleton thing here. Um, Eric Wilson gets on the field because of injuries, and he ends up – he filled up the stat sheet out there in Minnesota. Yeah, I'm really interested to see him where he fits in. Um he, you know, he's only had the one kind of really one year as a full-time starter. So um, I'm not saying last year was a fluke, but, you know, he's a guy that you, you want to see what he can do year to year. And, um, you know, you think of a guy like Jordan Hicks who had like six interceptions one year or five, and then like has two since then. Not, not that he's not a good player, but um, the numbers sometimes don't, you know, in one year, don't always indicate what kind of player someone really is. So how much is he around the ball? How much of a playmaker is he? Um, curious to see. 
Yeah, I mean, the stats last year are really impressive. I have them in front of me. 122 tackles, three sacks, three picks, two fumble recoveries, a forced fumble, nine QB hits. I mean, that's filling it up. And uh, the one thing that you like about him is he, he can cover. He's a cover linebacker. He's their best cover linebacker. So he's going to be on the field. I, I think he has a chance to play the most – of any linebacker and that might include Singleton. I think that him and Singleton might kind of split some of those nickel reps. Yeah. Um, and even like when they're in, I guess like a dime package, but he can cover and and you need that. Now I'm curious to see how those linebacker reps will end up getting split up. Um, right now it's a big unknown. Yeah. Uh, number 18, Jalen Rager. It was tough to know where to put him, but they need something from him. You know, we're eventually on this list. We'll get the Devonte Smith, but Rager's going to play a lot. All right. I mean, he's going to play a lot and they're going to need something from him. Yeah. And I was thinking the other day about um, what would be a good season from him. Uh, I think you're a little higher on him than I am. I, I didn't really like what I saw, but again, it was a, so much was kind of conspiring against him, the injuries, the quarterback play, the O-line play, the play calling. There was so much, working against him that it's hard to really know how much stock to put into what we saw from him last year. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see him kind of really assert himself as, as a WR two, And, you know, I, I don't know what the numbers would be. You know, you'd like to see the guy catch 55 balls for 800 yards. I mean, to, I mean, again, which is low for a first round pick, but, you know, he's – I don't know if he'll ever be a, you know, a 1,200, 1,300-yard guy. I just don't know if he's good enough to do that. But, you, yeah, like you said, you'd like to see production. Um, I think he really needs to be that that number two guy. Um, unless Fulgham or, you know, you know, can if, if Fulgham can be what he was for five weeks over a full season, he you know, he would probably end up being the second guy. I mean, that five weeks – is better than Jalen Rager's five best weeks. So, Oh yeah. Easily. It'll be interesting to see how that, I mean, any five weeks is what I'm saying. Like you take yeah. Jalen's. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see how it plays out, but yeah, they, they, they need him to be not great, but really, you know, pretty good, better than average. Yeah. I think the new coaching staff is going to help him. I really do. I, I like the idea of playing him in, in the slot a little bit more. And that's something we've already heard that they've been doing with him. Uh, and I also like the idea of getting the ball in his hands and then letting him create. Um, not just because I think they, those can be effective plays, but I think those can help his confidence. You know, if he, if he catches the ball two yards downfield and, and, and has a nice gainer, I'll take that. I, I think, he, I think there was a little bit of a confidence issue. I think um, he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I think that can be a good thing, but I think with him, it kind of teeters on good and bad. I, I, I think that he has to kind of focus his energy to, to make that chip on his shoulder a good thing. And I, and I don't know if he did that as much as he needed to in his rookie year, but I think the coaching staff can help. I really do. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Uh, you, you like the, you know, you like the comp, I don't know, not you like the swagger, you like the attitude, but it, it's got to be kind of channeled the right way. And yeah, I'm he's not pissed sure off, to, and I like that. I like that he's pissed yeah. off. I just think 
there's a way to do it in a productive way and a way to let it kind of torpedo your season. And he has to, to learn how to do it right. I, I don't have a great feeling about him. We'll, we'll see. I, I'd be, I would not be surprised if someone else ends up being the number two receiver, but we'll see. I mean, that would be not necessarily a disaster, but that would be really disappointing if that happens. Yeah. Although you can paint it as, you know, someone else was just, was just better. I mean, if, if somebody else is, I mean, there's a limited number of people who it could be, um, you know, I'm kind of assuming it won't be J jaw or Hightower. So, you know, you're talking about Fulgham or, or Quez, who I think has the potential to be pretty good. Um, we'll see how it all plays out, but um, it's a big year for him. And like if Devante catches 75 balls for 1211 yards that doesn't take him off the hook for Rager it doesn't you know it doesn't yeah you can't keep just keep drafting first round right first round wide receivers until you get it right and say well we you know we got this guy so um they need both of them to, to produce yeah uh 17 Rodney McLeod he seems to think he's going to be ready for week one uh the timeline kind of adds up there and uh, even if he's not ready for week one, it, it, it probably shouldn't be too much longer after that. Right. And he's a, he's a big part of this team. Now, Anthony Harris is here. So one of the things I'm really curious about is how those two guys play together. Yeah. Anthony Harris, a guy whose name is coming up soon on the list uh, from what I remember. Um, yeah. Rodney, you know, I mean, safety is, I mean, there's, there's certainly question marks throughout the secondary, Rodney's the one guy that's a known quantity um, when he's healthy. Who knows? And he's an older guy and he's been, you know, he's had some injuries. So um, I would never count him out, but uh, until we see him out there healthy, we're all going to be wondering. Yeah. He's 31 now. Yeah. Going off his second ACL. So you don't know he's entering a contract year too. And we'll get to Anthony Harris, but. Anthony Harris is almost like a younger version of Rodney in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think Rodney's been really underrated since he's been here. He's just a really solid guy, solid player. Um, I mean, I, and he's, you know, he's, he's like a throwback to the, to the old days, you know, there's, there's not many of those guys left. So hopefully he can uh, he can put together another good year. Yeah, it's year. almost like he got overshadowed here by Malcolm the same yeah. way that Harris got overshadowed by Harrison Smith in in Minnesota. Interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely think that was the case. I mean, Malcolm is better. Malcolm is a better player than Rodney. Different player though, too. Yeah, had different responsibility, different role. Sure, sure. But I think Rodney was a perfect, you know, complement to to Malcolm. Sure. Uh, number 16, Avante Maddox. Right now he's CB2, but even if someone else ends up as the outside corner, Avante, I think, is then still going to be the nickel and he's going to have a big role. I I can't shake the, the thought of 2017. I got asked a, a question the other day uh, about uh, for a Patrick Robinson candidate, so a, a player who has a bad training camp and then a good season. <laughs> And it was just such, it was such a weird situation. I don't know if we'll ever see something quite like that. Yeah. Uh, but Avante is the perfect guy for that because he's 
the reason Patrick Robinson looked awful in that training camp was because he was playing outside corner. And then once the Eagles traded for Darby, it pushed him inside. And all of a sudden he was much better as the nickel. That's kind of what I could see for Avante here is that, you know, he's kind of forced to be outside where he's out of position. And then maybe they add someone or maybe Zach McPherson finally wins a job. And then Avante goes inside all of a sudden he's where he belongs. Yeah, uh, wherever he is, he's going to be playing a lot. So wherever he is, he's going to be an important guy in that secondary. I mean, because you look past him, I mean, there's just the cupboard's bare. So, uh, yeah, wherever he lines up, he's going to be important. Yeah. Uh, 15, I cheated. I have a, a two players. I have Andre Dillard and Jordan yeah. Mailata. I'm not sure I accept this. I, I don't. Yeah, it's a little bit of a cop-out. But my point was that, no matter who wins the job, that position is so important. Um, it's obviously the left tackle. We know that it protects the blind side. But um, the thing about this competition, and we've talked about it before, but it doesn't feel to me like just a competition for the left tackle job in 2021. It feels like they're competing for the job. It feels like whoever wins the job this year is the left tackle for however long that is. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And you, know, you, you certainly don't want to have an open competition every summer. So, uh, and then there's contracts to think about and, and you know, value. I mean, I, I wrote in my 10 OBS this past weekend that I still think that if, you know, if Dillard does not win the job, there's a chance they'll trade him because uh, I just don't, I just don't know about the value of a backup offensive lineman who plays one position. Um, I still think there's a chance he wins the job. And I'm not saying that there's no chance of that happening. I, you know, I, I think it's certainly in the realm of possibility, but I think Jordan Mulata gives you more as a backup. And if they think Driscoll can be a backup left tackle um, as well as right tackle and guard, he can kind of play anywhere and, and thought he hung in pretty well at right tackle when he had to play last year, then, you know, if, if you can get something now, you never want to trade away a first round pick two years late, three years later. It's a bad look. Um, but if you're talking about building the best 53-man roster and Jordan Mulata wins that job, I'm just not sure what the value of Andre Dillard is. I get that. And I guess a, a big question to that or, or a follow-up to that is Jack Driscoll. Do they feel like he can be an adequate backup swing tackle? Uh, yeah, like, like I said, that's to me that that is as, par, as big a part of that question as you know, who wins the job. I, I, I like Dill. I, I like Driscoll. I thought he, he really battled. Now he had injury issues of his own. Um, but when he played, I mean, he, he's tough. Um, he's not lame, but um, he was a serviceable guy as a rookie, as a rookie fourth round pick who started opening day. I mean, they, gosh, they asked a lot of him. I mean, would he start six games off and on throughout the year, maybe uh, before he got hurt. Um, I thought he's pretty solid. Now, Right tackle and left tackle are different animals, but he seems versatile. He seems to be able to – he seems mentally to be a guy who's like, just put me anywhere. I just want to play, whether it's guard or tackle or wherever. So um, I wonder if we'll see him. It's going to be hard to get him any reps at left tackle because you're trying to find out who your starter is. But um, How about this? How about this idea? A little outside-the-box idea for Stout. I'll bring here's this one. Of, here's one of Dave's outside-the-box ideas that we love so much. So what if, so say day one of training camp, you have Jordan Mailata 
at left tackle with the, the first team. How about second team? You put Driscoll at left tackle, Dillard at right tackle, and you keep doing that. So Dillard and Mylotta are cross-training. So one day they're first team left tackle, the next day they're second team right tackle. That way you can also get Driscoll caught up at left tackle in case you need him to be the swing this year. I like the I, I like that idea. I think they might just want to get those guys as many reps at left tackle as possible. I think that might be the approach, but it, it'll be interesting to see uh, where they do work. Really, all three of them, you know, what what spots they they get reps at. Because even if so, say Dillard wins the job, at that point you'd probably want my lot of to be the swing tackle, right? ahead yeah. of so you would still want him to cross train unless yeah. they're really like hey and I, that would be weird to me to have a backup left tackle and a backup right tackle i don't know if that's the best allocation of, of roster spots right. they could do it they could say hey jack driscoll's our backup right tackle and our backup left tackle is whoever doesn't win this job but that almost seems like a waste to me and, and honestly at least with my lotta i think i'd want him out there before driscoll if he doesn't win the starting left tackle job. I think Driscoll might be a better right tackle than Milada. I don't think so. I think so. I don't, I don't think they're crazy about, about Jordan at right tackle, but I don't know. I mean, we're getting, we're getting pretty deep. I mean, we'll see how it all plays out, who gets reps where, um, knowing that's Stout. Your, I mean, Stout, that's your what, argument for trading Dillard is that he's only a backup at one spot. You just think that Mylotta wouldn't be their top backup option at right tackle? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, he could play. He could play there. I just don't. I don't think Dillard could play there. I mean, I just don't think. I mean, maybe mentally, you know, he's he's talked about how much he's grown up and loves the game now. Maybe his attitude toward right tackle is different. Maybe he's willing to give it a fair a fair shot. He should be able to play there, you know. But I mean, he's got to get some reps. I, I don't know. Um, I, I like, I'd like to see them, them cross train a little bit this, this summer. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. And knowing Stout, I mean, I'm sure he's thought of it. And I'm sure, you know, I mean, he likes, he likes getting guys work everywhere. So I'm picturing Stout listening to this, right? Oh, let me write that down. <laughs> he is, <laughs> what he did is Dave say on my lot of right tackle. Okay. Uh, number 14, Derek Barnett. Uh, I didn't mean to do this, but he's number 14. He was a number 14 pick in the draft back in 2017. I didn't mean to do that. That's just the way it fell. Uh, I think two things are true about Derek Barnett. He's a pretty good player. He's not as good as he should be. Yeah, that's fair. Um, pretty good. I mean, guy's never had seven sacks in a season. So I don't even know if he's pretty good. I mean, he's been okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a big year for him. And he's making $10 million And Last time they did the fifth year option didn't didn't go so well. Um, I I don't think anybody would be surprised if he has you know 10, 11 sacks, 12 sacks this year. I, I just I think it's in him. I think it's there. Gotta stay healthy. Um, he, you know, we'll see how Tracy Rocker, you know, maybe can add to his repertoire of moves because I think it's something he needs. He needs more more moves. Um, to be more I also player. think he's a player where the sack numbers aren't necessarily telling the full picture about his disruptiveness. That's what they always say about guys that don't get sacks. 
Well, it's true. A lot of cases. He's, he's yeah. I mean, he's disruptive, but he has 65 quarterback hits in 48 career games. Okay. He's, he's, he's disruptive. Yeah. I, I, you, I just, I'm just not a huge fan. I'm just, he's the 14th pick in the draft. I mean, I, you know, when Mike Mamula got, got those stats, everyone ripped on the guy cause he didn't have sacks and he had more sacks than, than Derek Barnett. I'm not talking about Mike Mamula. That's your, your go-to is the Mike Mamula thing. I, I'm not talking about Mike Mamula. I, I, I think Barnett's a pretty good player who should be much better. And I'm not arguing that. Like, obviously it's the 14th pick. Yeah. He should be a better player than he is. Um, but they're going to have a decision to make with him. I mean, they already made one because he's here right now at 10 million this season, which seems like it's an overpay and like it is, but also we've seen the pass rusher contracts are insane. That's true too. They're crazy. I mean, when he hits the open market, I mean, he's going to get a good contract because, you know, he might not have the sacks, but he's got those hurries, Dave. <laughs> no, um, I mean, actually, in reality, if he did hit the open market, I think he would have gotten a huge contract just because the potential is there. I mean, you know, we all see the potential. I mean, there's times where, you know, when he does produce and you see him, you're like, why can't he just do that more often? I mean, it's there. So staying healthy is where it starts. Um, he's, he's had a lot of different coaches. I'm sorry. He's struggled to stay healthy. And Jim Schwartz used to tout his toughness, but – he was only showing his toughness because he was always battling some kind of injury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a big year for him. Um, you have the what number 14. Yeah. You can even have him. I could see having him even higher, but uh, it's a good spot for him. Uh, 13. There was some foreshadowing earlier. Anthony Harris, another newcomer, another guy from Minnesota. I have him higher than Rodney because Rodney's coming off the injury and because I think Jonathan Gannon is going to lean on Harris a little bit this year, former assistant defensive backs coach in Minnesota. I think Harris is going to have a, a good understanding of a lot of the things Gannon wants to do. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I do. I think it's why he's here. Uh, a bit, a part of why he's here. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, the, the fact that, uh, I mean, every coach brings in, um, not that he's a head coach, but every coach wants that, that guy, that comfort level guy, a guy who can, who speaks his language, who can kind of translate to the other players. I think he's going to have a big role uh, from that standpoint, but he's, you know, he's a solid player too. So especially with Rodney's situation with the injury um, that kind of elevates him even higher on the list. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit before, but Harris and McLeod have kind of been deep safeties. Yeah. in their career whereas you know in minnesota harrison smith was in the box a lot more here in philly uh malcolm jenkins and then of course uh, Jalen mills last year in the box more so I'm, I'm curious to see how these two guys play I, it probably shows you there'll be a little more cover too um i don't know what it means if there's another state who comes on the field and plays in the box if that's Kayvon wallace or whoever else i think epsi is kind of more of a a deep safety can we still call him epsi you call him whatever you want yeah <laughs> he's more of a deep guy to me, but now the other thing about Harris is he's on a no, I mean, Ronnie, Ronnie can play in the box too. He can. Yeah. I think he's better as the deep safety. Yeah. Yeah. But he can, he it, could it, do either. He could. Um, 
the Eagles got Harris for like basically a $4 million contract this year. If they had tried to sign him last year, it would have been a lot more than that because he was coming off that six interception season. Um, what do you, th- I mean, it, do you think he is that player or do you think he's somewhere in between? I'm guessing he's somewhere in between. Um, not a lot of guys are getting six interceptions every can't year. I can't believe he didn't make the Pro Bowl that year, by the way. I know, that's crazy. Um, there's, interceptions are down, um, and they and they go down every year. I mean, there's just – I mean, obviously in Philly, they're, they're way down. The Eagles have, I think, 31 over the last The Eagles, years. ahead of the trend. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're trailblazers. Um, so six is a lot. Um, I don't think the Eagles have – I guess Rodney's got six as an Eagle. He's, he'd be the only one. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't expect that, but uh, yeah, you, you know, he seems to be a guy that should be around the ball and should be making plays. And if they're in his hands, hopefully he catches them. That's a, that's a big part of it. We've seen some dropped interceptions over the last few years. I mean, all the rules, you know, I mean, the, the pass interference rules, the, the quarterback protection rules, everything is favoring the offense and the quarterback. And that's why interceptions are down. And I think, I think quarterbacks get rid of the ball faster than they ever did. Um, you know, completion percentages keep going up. So, I mean, this is the reality of the NFL. There just aren't that many opportunities to get interceptions. So when you have them in your hands, you got to catch them. And, and so the Eagles have not done a good job of that. When they when they have had the opportunities the last few years, they haven't held on to them. So that might be, I mean, it's an interesting story just kind of looking at the trends of, I mean, there's like half as many interceptions as there were just, you know, like 20 years ago. I mean, the, the numbers are, are crazy. Yeah, I think you hit on a few of them. And honestly, I think a lot of it is the skill of quarterbacks has risen quite a bit too. Um, I think a lot of it is colleges are playing more pro style offenses. So quarterbacks are getting to the league more ready to play, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe part of it is college, you know, NFL coaches going to go to colleges, but um, it just seems like, you know, it used to be like the the PAC 10 played pro style offense, but nobody else really did. But now like, I mean, gosh, you know, one double a schools are playing pro style offenses and getting quarterbacks drafted. So yeah. any in particular? Because, I mean, you if you're top, of, what's that? Any in particular you were thinking of? <laughs> no, I wasn't really thinking of North Dakota State or anything. But no, but I think if you're, I think it makes sense because if you're, if you're a college and you want to attract the best quarterback, he's going to want to be a guy that goes there and gets prepared for the NFL. And if if you're running the ball, you know, if, if you're Army, you know, <laughs> you're not going to. It's so, you know, as recruiting's gotten more competitive. I think, you know, the, the battle for the top quarterbacks, you, you got to run pro style. That guy's not going to go there if he doesn't have a chance to, you know, to, to develop into an NFL quarterback. Uh, number 12, Javon Hargrave. I think he's probably the most under the radar $13 million guy. <laughs> I mean, no one even thinks about him, but I think there's something there with him. He got off to a terrible start last year for a few different reasons he got hurt and it does take a while to kind of break out of the mold of being that, especially from Pittsburgh, being in that two gap, just super passive defense. It took him a while. The injury hurt him, but when he was playing well last year, he played really well. 
Yeah, he he finished strong. I think we got to see why the Eagles liked him so much. Um, so if he can now, it's a new system, it's a new defense, a new staff. So how much of that momentum can he carry over? I, I don't know, but um, if he can play the way he did at the end of last year, maybe the last I don't know six games or so, um, he could be a Pro Bowler. I mean, I, th- I think I think the potential is there. I do too. And they need him because we talk about how deep they are on the D line, but at defensive tackle, they have Fletcher who who is Fletcher. And then you have Javon Hargrave. Those two guys you have to rely on because after that, there's some talent, but unknowns because Hassan Ridgeway has played well when he's been healthy. He hasn't been healthy. And then you have two rookies in Milton Williams and Marlon to a pillow to So I almost nailed it. Um, yeah. So I, they need Hargrave to play really well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I mean, I think I, I, we've talked about this and I've kind of, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see the, you know, Milton Williams and I think he's going to be pretty good, but I think he'll end up being the third D tackle. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hargrave and, and playing that playing on that line with that kind of talent. Um, I think he's going to really, I think he's going to, I think you picked him as as one of your first time Pro Bowlers. I think that makes a lot of sense. He he could have that kind of year. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think got, he really could. It's going to be. I mean, if these guys are all healthy, you know, with with you know BG and Kerrigan and Sweat and, and Derek Barnett um, on the, you know on the edge and these guys in the middle, it's going to be a really formidable D line. Potentially, I, I think one of the best in the league. Um, they're going to create some some real issues for offenses and if they play up to their potential up to their capabilities that it'll be the heart of this defense and it's going to make everything in the back seven easier um that they they can have that kind of impact on games yeah i wonder if we'll see some sort of like nascar package under gannon like shorts had where they get bg inside where you know even dating back to super bowl year he had a ton of pressures from inside. I mean, the, the play <laughs> was, right. it was inside rushing there. So I'd like, I, I'd, I'd kind of want to see if they'll do that time to time on third downs. I would think there'll be some sort of, yeah, some sort of deal with that. We'll see. Yeah. Another, uh, number, yeah. A number 11, the, the last one we'll get to today, Alex Singleton coming off what was really a spectacular I don't even want to say season. It was 11 games. It took some injuries for him to get on the field. But once he was out there, I mean, he was a tackling machine. 120 tackles, 75 solo tackles in really, I mean, most of that in 11 games is is pretty impressive. He was number two in tackles in the NFL over the last 11 games. Obviously, it's not an official stat. And, you know, it's it's kept by some intern up there with a, you know, uh, but – uh really was you get a general sense absolutely yeah and um kind of made us all forget nate gary really quickly almost as quickly as the 49ers forgot him (laughs) but um how about that we should we should we should get into that but um yeah yeah i I like the way he played and um it it makes you wonder what they were looking at because it took him so long to get on the field and you know they'll probably tell you well he wasn't ready yet um, and he was coming from another league in another country, and it's a big adjustment. Um, just the language barrier, I think, kind of held him back for a while. <laughs> you know, he came in speaking French. No, I'm kidding. But 
uh, I, I, I like the way he played. Um, you know, it's been so long since the Eagles have had that kind of linebacker. Uh, you know, he's, I mean, he's a thumper. Um, he loves playing on the line of scrimmage. Um, if you throw him the ball, he'll catch it and run it into the end zone. Um, but yeah, I'm, he was one of the bigger surprises last year. Well, we kind of knew that. I mean, I didn't know he would, he would be that good playing all the time, playing that many snaps. Um, but he was so physical on special teams and so willing to be physical. Um, and sometimes that just kind of carries over, and it did. Um, yeah, I don't know long-term what his future is, but um, he's older than his coach. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm a big fan. I'm, You know, I, I think you learn a lot about players when things are going bad around you and the team's losing and, you know, the quarterback's getting benched. I mean, the, the, the coach is struggling. All hell was breaking loose. And he just went out there and played hard every snap last year. And I think that that tells you a lot when, when things are going bad, you know, who's still out there going hundred percent every play. And it's funny, the Eagles haven't really put a ton of resources as we all know into the linebacker position, but all of a sudden Eric Wilson, Alex Singleton, TJ Edwards, and, and then we'll see about Davion Taylor and Sean Bradley. That's not bad. It's not great. And it's not bad. Out of that group, I mean, Davion Taylor is the only guy, I think, on the roster who was drafted in the first four rounds. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or first five rounds? Because Bradley was a six, right? Bradley was a six, yeah. So he might be the only guy drafted in the first five rounds on the roster. Um, but if you can cobble together, and, and this is this is a Howie thing, and I don't think he's totally off base. I mean, everyone wants him to draft a linebacker, but if you can cobble together a linebacking core without using premium picks, uh, you know, it's it's worked before for him. So, I mean, I was a fan of Michael Kendricks, who was a two, and they don't, you know, I mean, he was he was really good in seventeen. So, you know, you can certainly. You can that certainly goes against the the cobbling together theory, but and um, they paid Bradham, and they paid Bradham a lot of money. Um, he wasn't a high pick though, was he originally? No, um, yeah, I don't think he was a high pick. But um, where's he now? He's not in the league, is he? He is not in the league. Is he going to play again? Probably not. You know, it's it's crazy how many guys from that Super Bowl team are no longer in the league. I mean, there's like forty of them. It's mm -hmm. crazy story idea <laughs> i think you've done uh, that one uh yeah probably i don't think recently though um nate gary's another one we'll see what happens with him but uh but yeah singleton big fan see where he fits in so now let's look back at the list do you think i have anyone too high or too low no i i don't think so um i, I think the one guy i mentioned i mean dillard Milotti, you can you can make a case that, that they should be higher because left tackle is left tackle. And when you, you have a, a competition at that spot, it's going to be pretty important. Uh, but no, I think, I think you're spot on here. I think I can guess most of the, the top 10. I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it, it's really the order is, is what I think Yeah. people will want to see. And yeah, we'll see what people think about that next week when we do it. Uh, we wanted to bring up Deshaun Watson because it's it's a big topic. Everyone conversation. else is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it kind of got stirred up again last week. Adam Schefter was on 
the fanatic and kind of brought up Deshaun Watson on his own, just kept saying the Eagles are, you know, the best position team to make a run at him, which isn't new. I mean, necessarily, I think the news part of that was that here's Adam Schefter to bring it up on his own. Uh, but we know that the Eagles are probably going to have three first round picks. We know they're going to have a ton of cap space. We know how they feel about the quarterback position. So it, it all lines up. And whenever we talk about Watson, I, I think obviously it has to start with everything personal, everything in those civil suits against him. And until that plays out or until any team would feel comfortable knowing how it's going to play out, I don't think he's going to be on the move, but everything else lines up the way we knew it did. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's really, it's the off the field stuff. If that gets resolved and I mean, I can't comment. I just know what I've read. Um, it's not good. Um, so nothing's going to happen. I don't think anything's imminent. I think we can agree on that. There's nothing imminent until the stuff's all resolved. He's not going anywhere. No team, even the Raiders wouldn't, well, the Raiders might, um, you know, he's not going anywhere right now. So, um, you know, you, you'd like for, for Jalen Hurts to be able to go out and, and play some football without hearing this stuff all the time, but that's the reality. And it does make sense. Um, you know, in which, and that's what Schefter was saying that it, it's, it's a logical, it's a logical destination. He wasn't saying they're, they made an offer. He wasn't saying they're trying to acquire them. They just, he, he just said it makes sense. And it does. Um, let's see what Jalen hurts can do. And then, yeah. and then we'll figure out who, you know, who, who's going to be the quarterback in the future. Yeah. Football wise, they'd be crazy not to absolutely look at, I mean, that there are only how many elite quarterbacks are there in the league? Five, six, there's five. And he's probably the youngest of the group. Yeah. I mean, most of them are the, the, the elite guys are in their fifties or forties. <laughs> Josh Allen. If you, yeah, they're right he's now. in that group. Yeah. After well, one year though. So you never know. Right. There was another quarterback who I would have put in that list at one point. I have no idea who that could be. Um, I don't know. Was he ever in in that? Yeah, he was close. Yeah. To... Absolutely. Almost won the MVP. Yeah, I mean, he had that was ten games, but that was a. I mean, he was never at that level consistently after that. Yeah, but that's the point. Is that it's you know it was one year, and Josh Allen's had one. Great year. Yeah, well, that's why I'm not ready to put Josh Josh Allen up there with oh, okay Brady and sure. you know yeah it's and, it, who is it? it's Brady Russ Rodgers Mahomes Brady Russ Rodgers Mahomes that's and and Watson Watson yeah I mean to me that's that's the top five and then Josh Allen would probably be next then the Lawrence and then Hurts. <laughs> In any case, Watson's very good as a football player, and any team will be crazy not to at least look into it if you need a quarterback. And the Eagles might need a quarterback. We don't know. We don't know. And that's what we're about to find out over the next few months. Can't wait. I can't, I can't wait, wait, Rube. I know. I know. We've talked about it so much. And to me, and I mean, we'll, we'll, we have plenty of time to talk about this, but to me, this season is about, it's, it's about Jalen Hurts. It's what this year's about. I can't wait to see him play. 
I mean, I'm on the record and I've written it and I've said it. I, I'm, I think he's going to be pretty good. I think he's, uh, I like what I saw. I think people are, are really focusing on way too many negatives. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be great, but I think he has a chance to be uh, an NFL, a good NFL quarterback. I have no idea. I really don't. I, I'd like to say that, but I, I don't know. I really like, I, I just really don't know. I, there, I, I'm skeptical about a lot of it. So I, it, sure. not that he has to prove me wrong. I, who, who the hell am I? But I, 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 I want to see it. Yeah. And I think there's some talent there. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how it works in this offense. I'm curious to see how Nick Sirianni goes about building an offense for him, which is something he didn't have last year. And Sirianni, by the way, uh, I wanted to bring up, I forgot to mention this, but there was some, uh, Michael Robinson, I think, said he knows that some players in the locker room aren't fully buy. I, I'm paraphrasing here, aren't fully buying in. Did that, that do anything for you? I mean, that. Well, I thought the, the interesting thing was how quickly Lane Johnson and Fletcher Cox um, went on social media and, uh, you know, said, all right, who, who are they? Let's have some names if you're going to throw this out there and just shot it down. Um, I thought that was important that a couple of the, the, the real leaders of the team did that immediately. Um, look, yeah, that's probably more important than the initial part of it. I thought so. There's yeah. 90 guys on the roster. You know, I don't, is there, is there a team in the NFL where all 90, 90 guys agree on anything? <laughs> like, yeah. So. And I mean, and we heard similar stuff about Doug in 16 and i think that comes with the territory of not being a hot name not being you know a top candidate around the league i think we heard that about andy we you know the only guy he didn't hear it about was chip who was the the worst of the bunch just because he had you know he had done what he did at oregon so you didn't little devil's advocate do you think with sirianni you have to read into a little bit more because of the energetic not rah-rah but the his persona you think that could rub people the wrong way it could i don't think that's the case i'm just yeah throwing it out there um but again i i i just think you know he's i think it's with him it, it's authentic it's who he is um i think um he doesn't come across disingenuous i don't think i think he comes across that that's his personality and uh, you know, I think we'll see, I think we'll see a camp. Um, like, cause that's how he is with us. I, I think that the, all the players we've asked about that have talked about just how deep his football knowledge is and how that's, that's really who he is and that they've all been impressed with that. I think if you have that and you come across authentic and you're honest with your players, they're, they're going to go play hard. And the, and the other thing is like players want, contracts they want they want to make the opening day roster and start making I mean minimum wage is 50 or 60 grand a week so they're going to do all they can to go out there and have their best training camp possible to make the team so if there's some guys who aren't sold on Nick Sirianni I mean how's that supposed to manifest itself they're going to not go not practice hard they're not going to be here so these guys all want it they all want jobs they want to prove themselves yeah, I, I just don't worry about it. I mean, and if you get the big dogs to follow, everyone else will fall in line. So true. Yeah. So, so we'll see. I, I don't, I don't put a lot of stock into it. 
I'm picturing people right now who have been like waiting for this podcast. Now they're waiting for it to end. Now they're like, how long is like, were these always this long? (laughs) Do they have to, are they starting another topic? My God. No, we're now done. That's it. Now we're going to talk about the the hundred greatest plays in Eagles history. <laughs> Number hundred. Uh, if you enjoy the Eagle Eye podcast, please rate, subscribe, uh, wherever you get your pods. If you're watching on YouTube, click the like, subscribe button there, as well. Ruby, you got anything else before we wrap it up? No, please, please, no. Just expect a lot of podcasts once camp starts. Yeah, a lot of podcasts, and maybe, maybe one with people around. I don't know. I mean, I just anything. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon.